It's Monday the 1st of July 2019. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. I'm joined this week by the author, translator and journalist Alda Sigmundsdottir and also by Mark Volhart, a University of Iceland linguist and teacher of Icelandic as a foreign language. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Now, in the same week, coincidentally, that the final company with a licence to hunt whales confirmed it will not be catching any this summer and that no whaling will therefore take place in Icelandic waters for the first time in 17 years, Little White and Little Grey, the retired performing beluga whales, finally arrived at their new Vestmanaer sanctuary several months late. Eastlands Posted, the National Postal Service, has been under the microscope as it continues to hemorrhage money. The finance minister wants to privatise the company ASAP, but the prime minister says now is not the time. Iceland's international aid budget is being cut by 600 million kroner this year, with half of that going to plug the gap in funding to maintain Iceland's NATO infrastructure, and the rest as simple savings to the treasury as the economy struggles. On that note, the Central Bank of Iceland has cut interest rates to below 4% for the first time since 2011, in an effort to stimulate the economy as it struggles against shocks to the fishing and tourism industries. Unemployment has doubled in the space of a year. 64% of brand new homes in central Reykjavik remain unsold and thousands more are still under construction or have been put on ice. And talking of ice cream, (laughs) there's the controversial (laughs) idea of a 20% sugar tax. Mm -hmm. So uh, bearing in mind that we probably won't get through all of these topics, where would you both like to begin? Should we start? Begin at the beginning. Yeah, let's do that. With Ah, whaling. Yeah, that's been um, by far the most read story of the week, unsurprisingly. It always elicits a very strong response. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, though, this isn't a government decision, this one. Mm-hmm. This is just pure economics, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's a very emotional topic for a lot of people. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, what can you say about whaling? I think um, it has so many different angles uh, to it. The topic itself. So there's the the economic angle, which I think many Icelanders just don't understand why whaling, you know, why these whaling quotas are issued every year because there doesn't really seem to be, you know, any economic foundation to continue whaling. Uh, there hasn't been a huge market for whale meat. So it seems to come down to, at least it seems to me, um, this one particular individual who owns this company, uh, Kvalur HF, which is mm-hmm. Whale HF, and operates the, the whaling vessels. Um, it seems to be his sort of pet project to keep hunting whales. And he happens to, um, how, how to put this delicately, he happens to have some sort of stronghold on the government, or at least part of the government, um, no, he, he's he's very well connected to the fishing industry as well, right, isn't he? So exactly. he's got some leverage there, yeah. Yeah, and fishing, I don't know if listeners know this generally, but, you know, fishing is Iceland's version of big business, you know, and it's, big, it's the big business that sort of funds the main political parties that seem to always stay in power in the government. And, uh, and he owns a very large fishing company as a in addition to this this whaling operation that he has and that's just like a little side project and um and that is a you know very powerful company in Iceland the other one and um 
it seems that on the virtue of this, he, he keeps getting issued these whaling quotas that he can sort of dabble in, you know, at, at will. And it's just, it's so crazy. It just boggles the mind. I think most Icelanders don't really, you know, get it. Mm. Mm. I think it also hits a soft spot in, in many people individually because they, or I hear a lot of times that it, it's kind of like a cultural thing and it's this deep kind of cultural uh, reference they have without maybe knowing or without maybe eating whale meat so often. And and people from abroad, they often like see Iceland and I guess especially the Faroe Islands with hunting whales. So then it's the whole thing. So it's I think it's an interesting point of view that now since there is no whale hunting this summer to to like give people people from abroad um, even though it's not the government it's actually japan or what's happening in japan that's that's uh, deciding this so mm. it's kind of an interesting way into this uh, message not whaling because it's actually not iceland's uh, own will mm-hmm. um Yeah, I mean, you see a lot on social media, for example, you know, yeah. Icelanders have to stop hunting whales yeah. and Icelanders this and Icelanders that. And I mean, yes, there is some support within Iceland for whaling. And I think, as you say, you know, mm. people that connect it with, you know, our culture and a lot of sort of people that support the populist parties, you know, we are the Icelanders, we, we should be able to continue with our traditions and so on. I personally do not know anyone who eats whale meat on a regular basis, you know, exactly, like, uh, that's, yeah, yeah. and uh, you don't see it sold in the shops. You, you mainly see it on menus that cater uh, in restaurants that cater to tourists yeah, and exactly. tourists seem right. to be, you know, really keen on um, trying this and, and whatnot. Uh, you know, for most Icelanders, it's a non-issue if there's whaling or not, or not whaling. Exactly, yeah. And and I, I there seems to, I mean there is a majority now that is opposed to whaling, mm. um, which is quite a recent development, isn't it? I think probably yeah, I haven't quite followed it, but uh, you know there's a clear majority now that is opposed. Previously it was like maybe you know a third opposed, a third didn't care one way or the other, and a third was you know very much in favor. Um, but there's actually now a majority that is opposed. And I think people are just seeing the rationale. It's like, you know, why sacrifice um, all this goodwill that Iceland has for something that is really of no importance to the majority of the people? Right. Mm. Do we actually need this? And, like, I'm not an expert in whaling, but, but like, how does it happen? How do we how do we kill these whales? I, I don't know that. And, and do we actually need them? So, like, if there is all this negative energy uh, around this, I, I don't see either why we should continue, because it's not a thing that we eat no. anymore, at least. Exactly. Or, yeah. To clarify, there's this... There's always been a sort of a two-pronged approach to Icelandic whaling. There's the Great Whales, which is Kvalod HF, mm. is the only company that's doing this, and it's Finn Whales primarily, and they export all of that to Japan. Mm. And they said this spring that that wouldn't be happening this year because economic reasons. And then there's the Minky Whales, which are treated almost separately, and that's different companies that do that, and that is consumed in Iceland, albeit mm. by tourists primarily. Mm. And that was the recent news last week that those companies, none, no one wants to do it this year because mm. they're concentrating on sea cucumbers instead. <laughs> okay. So the same boats are going to be used for 
very, very different purpose. Mm-hmm. And they're coming they're, now. They're saying, "See how that goes," and then maybe next spring we'll reevaluate or not. Mm. But in the meantime, they are going to be importing Norwegian minky whale meat. Seriously, <laughs> yes, for the, just to for satisfy the tourist, the tourist demand. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, yeah. that's, that's interesting. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> we agreed on that. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't aware of that. That it was the smaller companies that hunted the, mon- the minky mm. whales because mm. okay. they've traditionally they've n- not been treated as whales even though they clearly are. Like, okay. th- there's been this sort of divide, mm. Repnukjot and oh, Kvalakjot, yeah. right, uh, right, different right. things. I wonder if that has something to do with the like with the act of catching them or why there's this division. I don't know, but no. of course the minky whales are the smallest. It could just yeah. be that. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I mean, then there's the angle, of course, that I think is a little bit hypocritical of people who, you know, firmly oppose whaling and sort of get out there and demonstrate and everything against whaling and then they go and they they consume meat that's been factory farmed and you know you have to ask yourself in terms of animal cruelty animal welfare which is worse you know you catch a wild animal in its native environment or you you know Mm. subject living beings to uh this incredibly cruel treatment that Mm. for example you know the way pork is raised or chickens or and so, then how many know, pigs' lives are equivalent to one whale's lives in terms of quantity of meat mm-hmm, as well? Mm-hmm. So, you know, big questions, big questions. Mm-hmm. But um, but it was actually, you know, it was quite heartwarming to see this, uh, the news about little white and little grey who are yes. um, coming that, to their yes. little sanctuary it's in the Western Sunshine Island. story. Oh, yeah. We must reiterate, that is a completely separate story because yeah. beluga whales are never targeted no. for, for hunting anyway. But Little White and Little Grey, they arrived on a jumbo jet, mm-hmm. which is uh, unusual for whales, let's be honest. <laughs> yes. Uh, they took two, two truck journeys, a ferry ride, and now they are in their quarantine tank, all ready to go and, and happy to get out into their, into their sanctuary. Yes. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a nice story, isn't it? It is a nice story. I like and it, I mean, yeah. they, they tried with Keiko, right? That didn't go all that well. He died after a couple of years. I can't remember. Keiko the whale, who was uh, transported from some sort of, some Sea World aquarium to the Westman Islands. Mm. When was that? Ooh, Fif- long Twenty time. years ago, fifteen mm. years ago, maybe. But they did release him fully into the wild. Oh, eventually, they released him, and fully. he died oh, there. Yeah. So okay. that hopefully won't happen in this case. Yeah, hopefully not. And you know, the more animal animal sanctuaries, the better. I say. Yeah, I like the idea too. And yeah. if it if it draws people to their locals and tourists, I think that's a good idea. And I don't see how we can treat people well too, especially if they're coming from this circus doing things for people. Now, mm. now the people can watch them in their own environment and see how they should be. Yeah, um, I'm totally, assuming yeah. they won't have to do any tricks for people. No, I hope not. <laughs> But they won't, no, it's true, but the people will be invited to come and have a look and, mm-hmm. and say hi to them. Mm-hmm. And this is the world's first beluga whale sanctuary, and maybe, if things go well, they could invite more whales to take part, up to 12, apparently, awesome. in, in that bay. In the wow. same space, then. Mm. Yeah, wow. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lovely story. Mm-hmm. And it's been great PR for certain companies involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder, is it too easy for us to look at the positives and, and not... The negative, which is that these animals were caught wild just 10 years ago. I wasn't sure that we were still catching uh, wild whales to mm-hmm. put in aquariums that mm-hmm. recently. Mm-hmm. Were you? I, no. I've... no 
I didn't was know completely either. unaware. I haven't really <laughs> followed up on you know, I, these. I think it's an interesting and, and an important point that, that these were caught already. And, and from that point of view, now we at least try to do what we can do best for them. Um, but yeah, it's a totally different story that they were actually caught into this aquarium, and I don't necessarily think that's that's right. <laughs> but uh, I agree. yeah, but I mean, they would they would not be able to survive in the wild now, I presume, Apparently. right? If they mm. were just released. Mm. So I mean, you know, lesser of two evils, I guess. And since since they've been caught and trained and whatnot, then mm. I think this is probably the best. I think so. Result. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good luck to them. Mm -hmm, well, absolutely. should we uh, move on? Sure. Let's do it. Where are we? We've got the lovely depressing economic news, yeah. the lovely depressing <laughs> post office news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A lot of these news are sort of I told you so kinds of news, I think. <laughs> you know, um, people have been talking for a long time about how Iceland was, you know, overstretching itself, uh, the economy, the tourism industry, and so on, and um, uh, all these apartments that they've built uh, downtown, these, what is it, 60? 64%. 64%, yeah. So they've built a lot of new apartments uh, in the past couple of years, I think, and there has been a major, major housing shortage. Um, the only problem is that these apartments are way out of the price range of normal people. Uh, and, you know, I mean, this, I hate to say it, but it's so typically Icelandic just to just barge ahead, you know, with some sort of project and not really look at all the different mm. angles. And um, so, I mean, it's, it's unsurprising, especially with what the economy is like today, that, that they're empty and bad news for... You know the construction companies, the development companies that have that have built them. Um, of course, it's not good for anyone if they go bankrupt. But um, maybe they'll just have to cut some of the prices and you know make them more affordable for people. I don't know. Because uh, demand for housing is still there. The market hasn't died. Yeah, every, everybody just, wants to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just these specific very expensive brand yes. new flats yes. that's the problem so maybe we will see people getting great bargains now maybe yeah i mean it I must come to it must come to something and i had a friend uh, visiting me uh, yesterday who hasn't been here for four years and and she really noticed like everything there are cranes everywhere everything's is is built up now and like there's this whole new neighborhood by by the Reykjavik airport <laughs> and she was like wow this is this is all new mm. and then I think especially this part I saw a news maybe a news story a year ago and they were talking about that this might be a good place for people moving out for the first time and then it was like super expensive <laughs> so mm -hmm. I thought that was an interesting story <laughs> moving away from home for the first time and they pay like many many millions of kroner so uh, yeah no it's certainly too expensive for far most people mm -hmm. and as you say it it's maybe Icelandic but I from my own own uh, hometown Copenhagen it it also happens there like you have such expensive apartments and even though the government and the municipality says all the time we will have like more affordable uh, housing it's not just it's just not happening <laughs> like mm -hmm. it's like like we people get pushed out more than the 
richest one. And and at least in Copenhagen, in many places, it's only, of course, the richest people and foreigners coming in. So you get this kind of mm-hmm. uh, non-cultural uh, expat uh, feeling sometimes, which is which can be good sometimes, but it kind of sometimes loses the the charm or what you call it of mm. of the the city or mm. at least as it was before mm. so i i think that's a risk if mm. if it continues like this yeah i mean i think you see that a lot in all you know all, all across the world mm. especially in large cities i mean you, you've I really noticed it, for example, when I visited Manhattan in like around 2000 or something mm. that, you know, everyone had sort of moved out of Manhattan and into Brooklyn uh, <clears throat> because the, the properties were no longer affordable. And, you know, so you, you get these, like you say, wealthy foreign investors or people or moguls or whoever coming in and buying up all the the, the more expensive properties. Mm-hmm. And then the locals getting pushed out to some somewhere else, either the neighborhoods nearby. and But then that becomes like the cool, trendy new place yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, a good place to live. Vesterbite, for example, you, yeah. you could name in that regard. Yeah. It is yeah. a what? Really it more is. lively community now than it ever has been, I think. Mm-hmm. Starting yeah. to get new cafes and, and people actually spending time there. This yeah. is true. Mm. This is true. Um, I don't know, I think Hapnafjörður in many ways, the little sort of mm. municipality on the edge of Reykjavik, a lot of people are moving you know, that way. Even all the way out to Kveragerði, I know a lot of people from Reykjavik who haven't been able to buy a house, for example, um, within the, the capital area. They move out there. It's, it's what, it's a, maybe a 30, 40-minute drive mm. in good conditions, but in the winter you have to, you know, go over this sort of little heath mm. or you mountain. You struggle there in winter. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, so I think that's why a lot of people don't yeah. uh, move there. But, I mean, I, from, from what I've heard, and in fact... My accountant has the, just moved out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and people calling it the suburbs, even all the way to Selfos and and Akranes yeah. yeah. and, and, and out to Reykjanes Bay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's a, it's a development, and obviously that pushes people to be more reliant on their cars than ever. This is true. Yeah, <laughs> Which is not always a good thing. But they are that way in within Reykjavik anyway. You know, the, the transport system isn't the greatest. I think as people, most people will know who've been here. Yeah, I think uh, that just pushes people to like really rely on a car. I, I I can feel the change in myself. When I lived in Copenhagen, I didn't ever think of having a car because it's just a hassle all the time. Finding like it's so expensive to park your car. Mm-hmm. Everything is closed, and you can take the metro anywhere. Mm-hmm. But here, I I now I started like seeing a car, and I'm like this is a nice car. I would like this car. Mm-hmm. I've never thought like this before. But it's just the way it is here yeah it's uh, it's interesting and i yeah you have weird. to have a car basically. for sure yeah and uh and, and I've, you've really i've really noticed in the last five years maybe that how much the traffic the sort of concentration of traffic especially during rush hour you know there, there never used to be traffic jams in Reykjavik you know 10 15 years ago like you know you'd be really hard pressed to actually wind up in a traffic mm. jam in Reykjavik now it's a given you know so, you know, yeah. So maybe we want we we want more people to be concentrated living in the city centre, and all of these well, hyper expensive new homes is probably not helping. A better transport I system, so. I think, is what they need. Yeah. Public transport. Something that works. Something later, so you don't get caught downtown, and you need to say, okay, so now it's half past eleven. I need to need to go if I don't want to pay a taxi to Hamnafjord. Exactly. <laughs> so, break the yeah. bank. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there we go. 
Um, that is economy related. So maybe we should talk a little bit about the economy from there on. Um, for example, interest rates. Is that no? Mm. It's a bit boring, isn't it? It's it's boring, but I mean, rates, yeah, no. the economy. <laughs> I mean, it's done for a reason, right? Because mm. they're we're in for a recession, so they've you know they're trying to stimulate the economy, obviously. Mm. Lower people's uh, mortgages and so on, so they have more money to spend elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and it encourages businesses to invest, true. theoretically, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That too, that too. And, I mean, it's a sign, right? It's a sign of what's happening, uh, the decline in tourism, for example. Um, On the subject of that decline, is that is that a natural up and down, you know, we expect better things next year, especially with the shock from Huawei? Because, I mean, there isn't a world recession happening. No. The the, economy is not in bad shape. So do you think we'll bounce back next year? Um, Hard to say. But, I mean, I think what's happening this year is definitely a result of Wow's collapse. Yeah, must be. Has to be, yeah. Um, I mean, we really noticed it. Was it in March or April when uh, Wow collapsed? I think it was in late late March. And, um, you know, I have uh, a little book publishing business i sell uh books to mostly for the to tourists and um there was a 50 percent drop in sales between march and april this okay. year yeah. wow. and, and normally it's higher in april because you know that's when tourists start coming so you know just from my very small perspective i definitely noticed it and um everyone i've talked to i've just completed a tour of the country so the ring road and the west fjords and um you know, almost everyone talks about it. Uh, there, there are a couple of places where people said they hadn't really noticed much. I think it was around Mivat, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the West Fjords, where people don't commonly go anyway, but people were sort of starting to get hopeful now. They said, oh, I think it's starting to pick up again, you know, in July. But, I mean, I think most businesses in the tourism industry are really bracing themselves for a tough summer. You know, what then happens in the future or, you know, next year is is difficult to say. I mean, this may have an impact on Iceland's image or, uh, you know, people not so many. You know, there's just been this this huge buzz generated around Iceland in the last Mm. few years. Mm. And if the buzz dies down, you know, does that mean people, you know, the Instagram people who see, oh, Iceland, we have to go, um, won't go? I'm not sure. Mm. But uh, I think... The drop now has a lot to do with the fact that there just aren't enough seats. You know, there aren't the, the well, maybe there are enough seats, but not enough maybe cheap seats. As I was there pushing were up the prices. Yeah. I, I, I was just buying a, a flight ticket home this summer and it's super expensive. Really? So just, just that, like also people just living here, uh, traveling in and out of Iceland. And and as this, it's, we, we don't know if it's going up or down, but I think a lot of the... The buzz about Iceland is it after the Eyjafjallajökull Yorkut thing happening and and that kind of like boomed out in in Europe and and the world and this whole thing of pronouncing this volcano and what is this strange land up there because when I moved here before Eyjafjallajökull people were sincerely asking me like why are you there mm. what what why like what, why would you why would you go there mm. and a few years after this Eyjafjallajökull they were like wow it's so cool that you're there mm. like wow wow so so lucky to live there um so I don't know if 
if that's that was the whole thing and then uh, a lot of people started going here and telling people about it and then Iceland Air started its like uh, stopover thing which everybody seems to know in the in the US I traveled around the whole of the US a couple of years ago everybody was asking oh so did you use this uh, this deal they had mm-hmm. uh, I really want to go to Iceland mm-hmm. so I I don't know if you can keep this this popularity up there it it almost mm-hmm. seems impossible because everybody went here and also because the kroner was so weak mm-hmm. so people went here for like having a nice cheap weekend trip and going out to eat mm-hmm. and now it's gone up again so i i don't know well, i think it's going down again <laughs> or or i mean <laughs> yeah now it's uh, now the kroner has gone up again so or, or now it's oh it's yeah going, now it's, yeah, it's yeah, going yeah. down again yeah, now yeah, yeah. Uh, which will help it will help for sure. So that's that's maybe something good yeah. in the yeah. But there has been, as you mentioned, you know, this exponential growth since 2010, since the Eyjafjallajökull mm. uh, eruption, and uh, and of course then, I think it was a combination of factors. It was that it was the the weak Krona after the 2008 collapse, and then the the campaign that the government launched the Inspired by Iceland campaign with the video and, you know, mm. they actually challenged every single Icelander to share the hell out of that on social media. And it worked. I mean, it went viral. And um, and then it just sort of took on a life of its own. And But then you also have to ask yourself, you know, is that a good thing? Because it happened so quickly that, of course, there wasn't time to build up the infrastructure and, of course, you know, the, the natural sites are being systematically run down and on all of these sort of challenges and problems that have come with this rapid growth in tourism mm-hmm. um, and it, there's also a question of could could this continual increase have been sustained indefinitely I don't know you know it was in 2010 we had you know just short of 500,000 people coming here and last year it was 2.3 million so you know in space of eight years um Maybe this might be an opportunity for, you know, the government or whoever's in charge to step back and sort of reassess and what do we need to do. I doubt they'll do it because that's just not how they operate generally. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it would be a good idea. Mm. Um, but, you know, the problem, of course, is that there's been this huge level of investment, you know, in tourism in in the the infrastructure not just by the government but by these little individual companies and i think something like 70 something percent of all companies in tourism are small companies with like three to four employees so um and they have invested you know and these are just normal people that have invested maybe in you know big vehicles to take Mm -hmm. tourists around or you know upgraded their bed and breakfasts to you know include whatever and uh, and it's really sad that those small companies are probably the ones that will take the hardest hit yeah. Yeah. and, you know, bankruptcies and have to, you know, lay off people. And, and of course, because we're getting, I don't know, we're mentioning unemployment, um, I think uh, 35% of those who are now unemployed are foreign nationals because those are the people, of course, who have sort of propped up the this growth mm. and... And the two main industries, which is construction, as you say, with the cranes yeah. and everything, and uh, and tourism. Mm. Indeed, obviously, the tourism industry is still massive, and uh, it, 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 there is room for a small downshift, presumably. I mean, two million is still a lot of people. I think, especially in central, 
especially in central Reykjavik. Mm. Yeah, and I think yeah, where exactly. You, where you see it's so it's so crowded and everything's in English, and I think a, a lot of people also want to see Iceland in this way and like see Icelandic too, the the language around, and and people people speak English also to Icelanders, mm. even though they do speak Icelandic sometimes. So they just mm. assume mm. that you don't speak Icelandic if you walk on specific streets downtown. That's true. Uh, it happened several times this week that children came up to me, like 13-year-old kids, and they they were asking, oh, do you want to try to fish over here? And I said, <laughs> I <"Ay>, nej, tak. <laughs> you don't even look foreign. <laughs> no, I'm like, I'm like... You look Icelandic. <laughs> I could maybe understand if you look super different, then sure, okay. Yeah. Uh, because most people look in a specific way, but but I, I usually fit in quite well. But I, I was walking on this street where most people were tourists, so they just assumed that I was a tourist. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was interesting, because it's, that's a huge impact, I think, that, that the local people start assuming that you must be non-local if you walk right here. Mm. Um So yeah, I think I think that could be reconsidered. Like like, what do we do, and like how do we how do we do? How do we make signs, and and does it all kind of start uh, being about uh, getting tourists uh, to you and and advertising something in English, and mm-hmm. even at a small cafe, everything is in English, and I, I think a, that's a refocusing of the of the uh, I th- emphasis. I think so because pe- I think people want the adventure here. At, at least a lot of the people they go here to see this place, kind of far away, kind of this. Uh, fairy tale and if everything's in English when you arrive I think that that kind of uh, mm. takes it away I think also reducing the importance of Reykjavik you know just distributing people yeah. more you know equally around the country so mm. opening up airports or trying to you know get people to fly to the east of Iceland or yeah. fly to the north of Iceland um, because also it's those places that are most impacted by this downturn I mm. think Um Yeah. They just opened this, uh, what's it called, the Arctic Way now, Norderstrandarleith, um, right. which is just open now. I think that's a good idea because if you go there, hopefully it doesn't get overrun <laughs> now. But but if you go there, that's why I have, that's where I have seen the real uh, silence and and mm-hmm. like really felt yeah. what you say in touch with nature. Yeah. yeah, midnight sun and all those things. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm really sorry to say it. Um, but we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> the week in Iceland will return to roof.is forward slash English, Roof English on Facebook, to the Roof app, and as a podcast next Monday, the 8th of July. For now, it's thanks to my guests, Mark Volhart and Alta Sigmundsdottir, as well as to Lydia Gretasdottir for running the studio. The number one song on the Rouse Tour chart that will play us out this week is Öður with his song Enkin Ensothu. Bye for now. Baby, a small pussy, I
Það er enginn eins og þú 